0: petersfield's shine radio
1: hello i'm claire venice and i'm joff lacey we're back out in the petersfield
0: and dodging the rain in this week's peapod,
1: peapod. if you love petersfield i
0: love the square the hangers the open
2: air swimming pool
1: lots of fun shops then the peapod loves you
2: it's just a nice town
1: everything petersfield is in the peapod with claire venice and Geoff lacey
0: Thank you for joining us to the Peapod. After last week's award show, it's back to real life in the Petersphere.
1: We've divided and hopefully conquered
0: this week with Joff visiting the natural food deli and Claire finding out more about traditional
1: crafts in a local workshop. The Shine Radio team has been busy too with the excitement of King William III returning to the square and discovering how Father Christmas is getting a
0: helping hand this year in Petersfield.
1: The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The P pod. Hello, Claire. How are you? Hello, Joff. I'm a bit tired, to tell you the truth.
0: Yes. How Why are you? are you tired, Claire?
1: I had a Halloween party last night.
0: That's your own fault, then. <laughs> <laughs> you what? know my thoughts on Halloween. <laughs>
1: even for me it was for a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds well, they need to know better <laughs> they're exhausting <laughs> <laughs> it was good fun good fun but I'm definitely feeling the worst of it today right good uh, yeah how's your half term been you had the week
0: off I had the week off it's been wet it has it's been wet very wet um expensive okay expensive uh, you my youngest turned 18 on Friday
1: congratulations it was
0: lunch out and a variety of things um he passed his driving test on Thursday, which was great, but mm. it's going to cost us. We wanted to Ouch. get him a car, give him a car, uh, but for him to have a car at 18, we're talking nearly, and to insure it, the car's only worth 400 quid, and it's going to be, the cheapest we've had so far is 2,300
1: pounds. Ouch, stuff.
0: Which is... Funny.
1: A lot more than you want to play. So, yeah,
0: it's, it, it threw me, because it's gone up threefold in two years.
1: Yeah, it's the hardest thing. You know, the poor kids, they work yep. really hard, don't they, they do. to learn to drive, go through the theory test, go through the actual practical test, yep. and then, lo and behold, there's this awful, awful insurance. Yeah, and it's not, he's
0: not going to be driving far, you know? Mm. So, who knows?
1: Okay, good luck with that, job. Who knows? Good luck. So,
0: um, so, how do you feel a week after the awards? We did that. Uh, we did. We presented an award, didn't we?
1: It was really good fun. It was such a lovely evening. It was. Yeah, it was great, great fun. So, um, well, all eyes on the Christmas light switch we on now. Can't November. wait for that, Claire. Twenty fourth of November.
0: Yes, we'll be up on stage. We will doing our bit. You and your Christmas jumper and your jangly earrings.
1: <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> You're just talking about yourself here.
0: <laughs> so we're recording this Sunday. We're in your garden again. We are. How, how's your garden looking after so much rain?
1: Really soggy, I think, like everywhere else. Can't believe how, you know, we had such a dry September, didn't we? Yeah, we <laughs> did, lovely, yes. Hot um, September and part of October, but it's just rained and rained and rained just last week. And, and continue to do so, I think. Yes, and I see you've you got, you got
0: the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. I actually watched Gardener's World the other day. Did you? And Monty said he have to clean your greenhouse at this time of year.
1: It's something that Steve Amos talks about. Oh, is <laughs> it really? In the next Growing well, But together. you've still got stuff in it. Yes, because you can sow some hardy annuals now, flowers, for next year. I know what a hardy annual is. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed you might not. Sort because of. <laughs> you've
0: got your hardy annuals, you've got a hardy perennials yeah. and all that. Yeah.
1: It's just, just not, not just a pretty face, Claire.
3: I
0: know.
1: It just feels Monty Don. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I am growing some bits And, you know, the chilies are still happily growing. They're quite hot. Are they? So we're making making way through them slowly. All uh, right. And what
0: do you use your chilies for?
1: Anything you can cook with, really. Yeah. Stews, chilies, um, you know, um, yeah. put it on cheese on toast, really, if you want a sort of a kick. Yeah.
0: You, you lost me at cheese on toast, there.
1: <laughs> well, you can take some chillies home if you'd like, <laughs> if you like some hot food. But it's late. The leaves are late turning and dropping. It's November this week, you know, so it's kind of a strange autumn. Yes. It's a long time to come.
0: And have you heard of medlar? I have. Because that was interesting. I was going to look out for some medlar jelly. Because that I was on Gardener's World as well. It was. I've only watched the one programme. But, <laughs> <laughs> but was an, that's an interesting...
1: F- fruit it is I haven't got one um, would you like to have one though well, a meddler tree mm. yeah I think it'd be quite exciting well I know that pecan are about to launch or have launched their fruit tree in every garden I'm not sure if they offer <laughs> a meddler <laughs> maybe you could find out
0: <laughs> well I might look into it Claire good so uh,
1: good let me know I will
0: do I will do you can you can do a growing together in my garden
1: <laughs>
0: plus you can help clear it out <laughs> but we love to hear from you so if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hi please do call or whatsapp us on 01730 555 500 or you can email team at shineradio.uk.
1: coming up we hear about an exhibition taking place at the physic garden in early november
0: but first let's find out what's new at the natural food deli
1: The Natural Food Deli is a health food cafe, restaurant and occasional bar in the centre of Petersfield. With wholesome seasonal ingredients sourced locally where possible, the menu is created with health at the heart. Originally established as the Natural Apothecary, the Natural Food Deli has a new owner, Robert Blair, who spoke to Joff last week.
0: It's a late Thursday afternoon in October and being on the Peapod has brought me lots of new things. And this afternoon... Even though I've lived in the town all my life, I'm actually in a cafe, restaurant for the first time ever. Where am I? I hear you ask. Well, I am in the Natural Food Deli with owner Robert Blair. Robert, how are
4: you? I'm good, thanks, Geoff. How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I've got to say, it is lovely in here. As I say, I've never been in here before. Just tell me a little bit about yourself and what brought you here.
4: So um, I'm obviously now the new owner of the Natural Food Deli since the 1st of March this year. And what brought me here was loving this uh, business, loving the food, loving the owners, the atmosphere. So when I moved to Petersfield eight years ago, I think I discovered what was then known as the Natural Apothecary the day after I moved here. I came over for a cup of tea after having spent the day moving and really enjoyed it. So I used to come back here as often as I could. That sometimes was once a week, twice a week, but occasionally was like every day of the week so I got to know the team, I got to know the business, I got to know other customers and um, I really fell in love with how they do what they do and that was it really up until uh, October last year where myself and the former owner had a conversation which started with the words I think I'm going to sell the business. Um, which, you know, uh, anyone who knows this place, it, our, our hearts sank. But we, we agreed that if she hadn't sold it by the time I was selling my house, that we maybe would have a chat. That chat happened in January. So, yeah, that's where we are today. So, have you always been in the trade, or is this something brand new for you? Uh, absolutely brand new. Um, my background was 24 years of either e-commerce or marketing for various different blue-chip companies, so if I told you I worked for Amazon for seven years um, back in the day when it was uh, still not making any money, and it tells you how long ago that was <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've done various different e-commerce projects or marketing projects, made TV and radio adverts in my life, and those kind of things so but my my passion behind that so everyone does what they do for a living and it's nice if you like what you do, but food and the interest of ingredients and the concept of where things come from, why they are you know why that thing from there is better than this thing from here. Um, that always interested me, which is also why I loved the food and the way that um, the, the uh, Natural Food Deli does what it does. Uh, which was, that was the interest for me, was how, how could I bring what I love to this business and take it further. So what do you offer here? So we are, at our heart, a healthy cafe stroke restaurant so we have all of our ingredients brought in everything bar two things in this building are made on site and the only things aren't are canned drinks and ice cream which we can't make on site but we bring in ingredients we make healthy wholesome uh, salads mostly leaning towards uh, vegetarian and vegan but we are not wholly vegetarian or vegan we do have a chicken satay which is like one of our more popular dishes We also offer a range of gluten-free or dairy-free or vegan cakes to accompany all of our our coffees and teas. Um, And essentially it's that thought first of, is it healthy? what's it good for is it you know what what health benefit does it have to you so that's that's to me that's always the, the beginning point of anything we talk about with food From making a new soup or a new quiche we talk about what what is it what's its flavor profile is it seasonal does it bring any value um, and you know how can we make it healthy
0: do, do you change anything when you when you took over
4: not initially. Um, I had that conversation with Livy, the former owner, and said "Look, I don't want to wholesale change anything, but I will look at everything. So bringing in Jude's ice cream and bringing in most of their plant-based versions was something I changed. Um, and then I did look at our coffee, and I felt it wasn't, whilst it was an ethically sourced coffee, it was, it was just a, a big bulk brand. Um, and I wanted to bring something a little more local, so I worked to, to find River Coffee, who are based in Arlesford it's roasted 10 miles away and so those two things are reasonably fundamental Um, obviously because we're food things can change every day so I look at the ingredients and I look for organic where possible I've kept most of the suppliers uh, particularly our bread who's made locally uh, bread's made locally by somebody called Vicky yeah where I can I've kept it the same But I am looking at um, all of the ways that we do what we do, and yes, I will look to a a new menu for winter and then a new menu next year for spring, summer, Um, but with, with marginal changes rather than wholesale changes.
0: Now, as we know, Petersfield does have a number of restaurants, cafes, coffee shops. What do you offer different to them?
4: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because um, I'm, I'm a customer too, not just of here, but of this town. And there are other wonderful places to go and eat. I love Madeline's. I like occasionally going down to Flavio. Um, I've eaten in the townhouse, etc. So I'm not wholly and solely all about what does the natural food Daily do. But what we do differently, I think, is, is that, as I said, I know that everything that we bring in is as fresh as it can be, as organic as it can be, as, as much of it is ingredients only, and it's cooked on site. Um, We probably start with that vegetarian or vegan mindset or we look at the um, dairy-free or the gluten-free first before we make the thing. And so where we add a chicken dish or a salmon dish or we have, for example, bacon or sausages in our breakfast options, a large majority of our foods are probably plant-based. We are not wholly that and I'm always mindful not to, to sell ourselves as that because it isn't us. But I think people, often the feedback I get from customers is, I feel so much healthier now I've eaten... You know, they come here for a lunch, they sit here for an hour, hour and a half, and when they leave they always say, I feel so much better. You know, because they feel like they've had a wholesome, healthy lunch, and I think that's our, that's our USP.
0: Well, I certainly start need to be a bit more healthy, so I may have to pop along. So, Robert, what hours are you open?
4: So, currently we are Monday through Saturday, 8.30 in the morning uh, through till 4pm. We had recently been doing evenings, Um, We have just put those on hold for winter, but we will do some key events. And I would say watch Press for Details, so our Instagram and Facebook as well as our own website, we will advertise any specific events. And then going into spring next year, we will return to doing some evenings, which are till until 8pm, um, but at the moment until 4. Um, we don't open Sundays, but that is something I'm looking at, once I can find the right chefs to, to be able to do that. Obviously, chefs are at the heart of any food business, so I don't want to put my current team through too much. So Sundays were currently closed, but um, yeah, 8.30 till 4, Monday through Saturday. And what's the reaction been like from your customers? I've been very lucky. I thought I knew a lot of the customers here. I now know a hell of a lot of customers here. They're so lovely. Even the ones that that knew Livy well have been really responsive, really open to my taking over um, because they've seen that I've kept a lot of things the same. They've been very kind, very generous with their time and their conversation. And I, and I feel very cared for as the owner. I feel looked after by the customers. They, they say nice things, they do nice things, and they, they, they prove it by coming back. So that's lovely.
0: So you've been here eight months. What are your plans?
4: So at the moment we're about to uh, um, make some some reasonably significant changes um, that are not anything to do with our food, and today's as good a, to, good a day as any to announce it. On the 5th of November I turn 50 years old, and that is going to align perfectly with a decision I made a couple of months ago to return the Natural Food telly to almost its original name, which used to be known as the Natural Apothecary, So when I knew it, and for the first eight years of its existence, it was the natural apothecary. Uh, We will return to the apothecary. We will drop the word natural, not because we're changing anything, but just because it's commonly known as when I speak to customers in here or hear people on the phone saying I'm in the apothecary. So quite often that is what it gets referred to, even now, even though it's been the natural food deli for more like four years, I feel it's what the town knows us as. Um, We will sell the principle that we already back, which is food is medicine and that it's a healthy thing to put into your body and then we will sell or, or promote the principles of why food is medicine and what what different foods are good for different parts of the body so yes the it's nice to be able to announce through you um that we will return to the apothecary in um watch this space but um, from the 5th of november that's when the project kicks off
0: that is fantastic here because yes it's it's the word that i can could never say, and I'm sure you hear lots of different variations when you're in the restaurant, in the cafe. That's quite significant. So are you excited?
4: I am. I I felt um, in the early days that I didn't want to change anything, and I still don't, but I I also felt like, what can I do? It's not about me, it's not about ego, but I felt what can I do to make it feel a little bit more like I'm taking it in a direction and I'm not just doing the day-to-day and treading water I wanted to continue to evolve the business and as much as I looked forward the obvious thing to do was stop and look backwards and say what had we done before and I think it's as I said it's the, the love of this place is, is, is deep and in set into the town the business in itself has been here nearly 12 years and that name is synonymous with this place so the apothecary to me means a lot um, and it yes it's exciting to be able to, to bring that back to life um, and then take that further.
0: Brilliant. Robert, thank you very much for allowing us into the Natural Food Deli. Good luck for the future. Happy birthday.
4: Happy oh, big 50th. And can't wait to come back again. Thank you, Geoff. That's very kind. And, yeah, we look forward to many more customers and many more years. Thank you.
5: The P stands
1: for Petersfield. I can't believe that we live in such a idyllic place. The P-Pod.
0: There's an exciting exhibition coming to Pietzel's Physic Garden on November 3rd and 4th from two local craftspeople, Molly and Nick McMillan. Claire went to their workshop to speak to Molly.
1: I'm with Molly McMillan, who is an expert basket maker and willow weaver. And I'm here in her workshop in East Hampshire. Hello, Molly. Hi, Claire. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Well, thank you very much for inviting me here. It smells amazing in your (laughs) workshop. It does, doesn't it? It's always got an interesting aroma in here. (laughs) And we're surrounded by huge amounts of willow, all sorts of materials that you use, which we're going to find out more about. So you have been a basket maker and working with willow for a number of years. How did you get started in the world of basket making?
6: It all stems back to my original training, which was I spent a year in the woods training to be a bushcraft instructor. And actually that's where I met my husband as well, but as part of that course we had to learn how to use tree bark. And that was kind of like the light bulb moment. And I was like, oh, this is good, isn't it? I'll spend the rest of my life in the woods making things out of tree bark. We'll be fine, thank you. <laughs> so, as I said, me and Nick, my husband, met there. And then we sort of just taught ourselves everything we could about tree barks. Because there's very little information about it in this country particularly. And we didn't know anybody at the time who did much teaching about it, apart from John Ryder, who we originally learnt from. And then at some point, I thought, oh, I better learn how to make willow baskets. And I had made one willow basket on a course with an archaeology group in Sussex years ago, but it hadn't clicked. And I also have a good friend, Louise Arthur, who has a basketry business in Lis, and she taught me a lot. Yeah, it just kind of went from there it just kind of takes you over. (laughs) You can't leave them alone. You can't leave the sticks alone. Once
1: you know you can do stuff with them because they're just like magic sticks. Well, it's a real craft. And looking around your workshop here, you have some items that you've crafted hanging up all over the place, actually. It's absolutely beautiful. Where do you source your materials from? So with the Willow, I use two different companies down in Somerset, which is where all
6: the big family growers, they have like miles and miles of it because I need so much. I couldn't grow it all at the moment. I haven't got a handy field to grow the willow. So I buy in a lot, but I also do harvest a fair amount of stuff locally. So wherever I go, I tend to shove willow in the ground, and it obviously grows. So I kind of build up this map of places in people's gardens. If I see willow growing out of someone's hedge, I'll go knock on the door and ask them if I can harvest it. So I go round in the winter and harvest all that willow. And then all the tree bark, which I tend to harvest with my husband, which is all behind me, all in big rolls on Mm. shelves behind me, that's mainly red cedar and sweet chestnut bark, which we harvest ourselves from local woodlands in the spring. And then looking up above us, I've got all my plant fibres hanging down above our heads. And they're all either from my garden or for hedgerows or ponds so I just harvest those, usually throughout the summer.
1: I have this image of you wandering around with a pair of secateurs in your back pocket. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely, and a load of string hanging out the other pocket. How long does it take for the bark and the plant fibres to dry out then?
6: Well, it depends on the material. The bark takes a little bit longer because it's obviously quite thick, but on a sunny, warm day, it can take maybe a week for it to dry out. And then as long as it stays dry and out of damp, You can keep it forever. It's a lovely material to use because you have to soak it and soften it again to work with, but then you can let it dry out and you can keep soaking it, really, multiple times which you can't do with Willow. Willow's much more high maintenance. <laughs> There's a lot involved with Willow in terms of the soaking and preparation and storing that's a bit more complex.
1: The bark looks incredible. It actually looks like leather mm. rolled up there on the shelves. So you have just launched a new website. Yes. And it's full of beautiful pictures, information about what you do, and you've got some workshops coming up too. Do you do workshops throughout the year?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we're coming up to Christmas at the moment, so the ones that are very busy filling up are the Christmas workshops. So I do wreath making where you actually make your wreath from the willow and then you decorate that with greenery. But all throughout the year I run courses. So I run willow basketry courses, I run my focus on fibres course which is very much about the experimental plant fibery stuff. And then my husband Nick who's busy picture framing behind us, he runs a three-day cedar bark course as well so we go into the woods and harvest the materials with the people who come on that course and then make baskets for two days and that's pretty magic in the woods
1: yeah you mentioned nick he is working hard behind us now you're both getting ready for an exhibition that's taking place at the beginning of november at the physic garden and it's called lights among the trees
6: oh it's always fun trying to come up with a name for an exhibition nick's artwork he draws beautifully detailed charcoal drawings of botanical objects lots of trees he went through a period of drawing lots of lichen but at the moment he's got some absolutely beautiful drawings of trees the which he's about to start framing soon so we was very much there with the tree thing but there's also a giant drawing of an allium which hasn't been seen by anyone yet so there's three new drawings aren't there that nobody's seen in public which is quite exciting because they're huge as well they're all quite big drawings so they'll have an amazing impact and then in amongst his drawings the venue the physic garden is a lovely little venue and it's got great potential for hanging things so we were like right okay we'll put lots of lampshades in there as well so I weave lampshades from the willow but there'll be a whole load of other baskets and hopefully if I get myself together some Christmassy goods as well Thank you. So we wanted to just put that theme of light and
1: trees together. Perfect time of year. This time of year, there is absolutely beautiful light, isn't there, outside, if if you're lucky to catch a sunny day. And the exhibition will take place on November the 3rd to the 4th from 10 till 4pm. Molly, thank you very much for telling me more about what you do. How can people find out more about you? Oh, well, have a look at my rather lovely new
6: website, which is www.mollymcmillan.co.uk
1: It's been quite a special morning coming here and meeting you and nick working away in the background (laughs) best of luck with the exhibition both of you luring people in for a cup of tea come and have a chat and
0: yeah just come and talk about what we do as well people are very welcome you can hear more from molly in the latest edition of shine radio's gardening podcast growing together
1: coming up father christmas is getting some petersfield help this year but first chris skinner is back with the latest what's on guide the Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere?
3: If you'd like to meet the team behind Petersfield Shine Radio, we hold monthly team meets in Petersfield Town Centre. These first Wednesdays are an opportunity to spend time with the team, find out how we make Petersfield's local radio service and see how you can get involved. These first Wednesdays start at 6 30 pm at Petersfield Museum. Thursday, the 2nd of November, the Cube's Comedy Club at the Shed in Borden. This month features comedians Matt Price, Eva Binman, and Joey page. The comedy begins at 8pm and tickets are £12.50. And next weekend is Bonfire Night and there are various displays across the Petersphere. Starting on Saturday with sheep fireworks between 4 and 7pm, Petersfield Fireworks are also on Saturday at 5.30 until 7.45. And then into Sunday, Steep has its fireworks display at 5.30pm and also on Sunday at 5.30 is Froxfield's fireworks display. All these displays have different entry fees and details can be found on the Shine Radio website events page. And you can see full details of many more events like those in our online events guide. It's at shineradio.uk.
1: If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. Geoff, do you know why King William III was removed from his horse in the square?
0: No, Claire, I don't know why King William III was removed from his horse in the
1: square. Well, let's listen to Alison Knox Crawford, who went to find out what happened and to watch his return.
7: So can I just ask, for the radio, what's it like to see King
2: William back, finally? Wonderful. <laughs> we're Absolutely pl- delighted. It's history in Petersfield. <laughs> we're very pleased to see him back. We were driving by and my husband said... Oh, William's back. So we got out of the car and here we are watching him.
7: I have to say, he's looking fabulous.
2: Yes. And his arm is back, so he's not armless anymore.
7: Yes, for those who didn't know, his arm came away.
2: Had been broken off, yes, by somebody unknown.
7: But they've spent ages putting him back together and here
2: he is. Mm, But Felicity knows a little bit about the foundry. The the lady who's up there... It has repaired his arm, uh, and he. This firm, the crane people, collected William at, at this morning from East London and brought him here. And the crane weighs twenty-one tons, and it's a firm, and they travel all over Europe and the world, taking off broken statues and returning them and oh, repairing them. Hmm. That is their sole job.
7: What a vacation! Hmm. <laughs> Well, it's good to see him back. Oh, Very it is. Rigorous. We feel
2: as if we're complete again. Yes. 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 yes.
7: We are a family.
2: We are. <laughs> Hoping he won't cause too much controversy. Oh, they are welding him back on again. Are Look. they? Oh, my God. Ew. Keeping the water out, then. Because yeah. the water does some damage, doesn't it? Well, the horse is hollow and William's hollow. Mm, mm, mm.
7: Now, I didn't realise that.
2: Mm. Did you think he was solid?
7: I Head. had... I thought he might just be led, but I, I couldn't say because I'm...
2: It would have been, he would have been very, very heavy mm-hmm. if it had been solid. No, oh, they're uncoupling him followed. now, look.
8: Yeah. Oh, he's there.
2: He's arrived. So the scaffolders will come another day. Because that's, that's a different trade, isn't it, altogether? Yes.
7: So there are people of Petersfield. William is
6: back.
2: Yes. The crane's going away look. Oh dear, big load. No,
5: no, 21 tons. Oh, ooh, mind your heads. Oh, mind your heads. Jackie, you bought William back. Yes, yeah, we brought him back. He, you probably know, his unfortunate accident. So we've been working on him at our workshops in East London. We are Rupert Harris Conservation, and put his arm back on, and we're now in the process of lead welding him back to his, his horse, the back to the rider.
7: So, how did you get involved in this? Did you get a phone call? Or?
5: We had initially from the council, uh, an architect who works for the council first got in touch and we came down and had a look and sort of went from there really yeah
7: so did you come down and go gosh or
5: no not really i mean everything has there's always jobs always have their own little nuances but this is what we do so you know we're kind of used to this sort of sort of work because we do bigger stuff than this believe it or not
7: as I understand it, from somebody in the crowd who was admiring your handiwork as, he, as William was being reseated, yeah.
5: <laughs> well, that was down to actually that was down to the company MTech, oh. which I mean they're very good with their cranes and manoeuvring sculptures.
7: Was <laughs> <laughs> well, so the the work that you do is Europe wide and beyond? Isn't yeah, it?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah we work all over the place, you know wherever they need us to go. we'll we'll go because it's it's quite specialized what we do and there's not a lot of us to do what we do so um yeah we get to travel around a bit
7: (laughs) were there any challenges to this
5: uh there was actually in that he'd had some previous repairs that were a bit unsavory shall we say put it politely um they'd used a lot of car body filler and wood screws to hold his arm on Hence is probably why it did fall. I know, I understand, a council worker got up there to remove a cone, I believe. And that's when the arm came off. But I'm not surprised. It's probably fortunate that that happened because he was hanging on a bit by a thread, let's say. <laughs> due to the re- previous repairs and polyfiller and stuff.
7: So what have you actually done in terms of the repair?
5: We removed all the filler and the ugly work. And um, we, inside his arm... We put a stainless steel bar which connects up into his shoulder up into the body and then re-welded his arm on so hopefully having the structure inside will help keep it in place there's a lot of weight on his arm you imagine you know it's a lead sculpture so there's a lot of leverage on on his arm but hopefully that that'd be okay now
7: well people have remarked it's lovely to see william back oh okay uh-huh.
5: <laughs> and some haven't, and some... maybe. <laughs> <laughs> However, yeah.
7: he's not really a cause of controversy, really. He's just something that people have, who live in Petersfield have got accustomed to seeing.
5: That's it. He's just part of the furniture, let's say, isn't he? It's Petersfield, yeah.
7: So, your next challenge?
5: We are working on a project in Oxford, um, one of the university buildings there, doing some more LEDs. That's our next next thing as well as we have bits and pieces going on in our studios in london but that's our next big project yeah
7: so if anybody in petersfield has got something similar to william and it needs a repair they can get in contact
5: yeah absolutely yeah yeah no problem at all yeah
3: <laughs> the
2: p stands for petersfield petersfield is special to me the p pod
0: With Christmas under two months away, the Food Bank and Salvation Army have joined forces to provide hampers and toy parcels. Steve Field spoke to Shine's Julie Butler about their plans.
8: I'm Julie Butler for Shine Radio and I'm with Steve Field who is from Salvation Army. Steve... I do the food bank requests for my news um, on a Wednesday. Obviously now we're coming up towards Christmas and they're talking about Christmas hampers. I'm interested to know quite what the format of this is and what it's all about. So this isn't the first year you've been doing this. This is something that's been happening for quite some time now, isn't it?
9: Yeah, that's correct, Julie. Uh, And welcome everyone that's listening. Uh, We've been doing food hampers now for five years. Three of those years was with the help of the town mayor. Um, who uh, would raise funds and uh, provide that money towards us uh, purchasing the goods that were needed. And then it came to the fourth year when the town mayor decided there were other things, which was absolutely right to do. Um, And so we reached out to the food bank and uh, together uh, with the food bank, we determined that we could get most of the food supplies by sort of people donating those, those goods. Through the food bank, and then the food bank would come together with the Salvation Army and uh, help to to uh, put those hampers together.
8: So that's that all sounds great. I mean, I'm what I'm seeing what's coming through, and there's a lot of things that actually, you know, the things that we take for granted, the the chocolates and all those special extras that everybody has at Christmas, which is, I think. Everybody deserves to have sitting in front of the telly. So in previous years, has there been a big take-up for these hampers?
9: Yeah, it's, it's varied. Um, there was one particular year through the Covid where clearly there was a lot of people who were unable to get out. And uh, that was a particularly uh, bad year in a way, if you want to call it bad, in the sense that there was m- much more needed. Because people couldn't get out. And we did it that year, we did over 300 hampers that went out, not just to Petersfield, but also uh, the surrounding areas. One thing I forgot to mention was that we do this through agencies working together. So referrals have to come from an agency. Um, and that can be home, where the person, you know, where, where people live, uh, or it can be uh, Citizens of Ice or one of the churches in Petersfield. It can be any agency that is, is deemed to be an agent who uh, are able to refer people to us. And, and one of the purposes of doing that as well was, you can imagine, with over 300 hampers, there would have been a few duplications there. And what we wanted to do was to ensure that everyone only received one hamper. Uh, The hampers are made up as you've already uh, hinted at of luxury items mm. so we try and make it something that perhaps they wouldn't be able to afford themselves something that will just be special that they can just um, enjoy rather than just giving them the usual biscuits and, and stuff like that
8: yeah so you're basically more of a sort of the agent to bring it together and then distribute it do you distribute it or does that happen with the um, the people that actually suggest who should be lucky enough to receive these hampers
9: yeah, so the way it works is um, the Salvation Army and the Food Bank um, obviously decide whether they're going to do another year, and this year they are, and as part of the Salvation Army, I'm... I I'm kind of party to that but I also facilitate the agencies working together so when we get to the October meeting usually um, I put the the forms together and uh, we talk about the the way that it's going to work this year and uh, so I've already done that with the agencies working together all the forms are out and in fact um, I'm already receiving forms back for for this year. We then, on one particular evening in December, uh, the Salvation Army is, oh, evening and day in fact, the whole day is given over to all of the hampers being put together and uh, those are then put into uh, agency groups and the agents then come and pick those hampers up um, because all we know is the the family name and the postcode. We don't get to know the details because of GDPR, and so all, everything is handed back to the agencies then to distribute to uh, to those that will be receiving the hampers.
8: With everything that's going on at the moment, and you know, we do know that in some families, finances are extremely tight, and actually tighter than it has been in previous years. Do you think that the, um, the 300 was quite high anyway? Do you think that's going to increase?
9: Uh, well, if I gave you... So that was one one particular year through COVID. But last year, we were back to what I, I think was a reasonable number. It was 143 hampers last mm. year. Uh, and so that's probably more realistic. Obviously, you know, uh, we want to help as many people as we can. But at the same time, we, we don't want to have, if you like, such, such a need um, in, in that sense. But I think certainly for those who live alone, um, those who perhaps receive very little at Christmas, it's a nice little gift Mm. that they can receive that they perhaps wouldn't have anyway because of not having family. So it isn't always a a cost of living issue as such. It's a a way of actually giving um, uh, perhaps an elderly person or someone who's very lonely uh, a little gift at Christmas. Yeah, yeah,
8: which is perfect. And I also know, because a little birdie told me, that you are involved in younger part of the family as well. You do some tremendous work, making sure that there's some toys and things like that that will actually help the uh, the younger generation have a good Christmas.
9: Yeah that's, uh, that's another interesting part of what we do and in fact on that day when we're open to pack all of the hampers in the evening um, it changes to packing uh, toys for anyone really from the age of zero up to 18 and uh, last year we did 61 toy parcels for this area and that, that's an initiative that is, is purely the Salvation Army. We, we don't, uh, well, we, we, we do obviously get help in other ways with that. Yeah, so we, we get uh, toys given to us by various uh, people. We, in the church ourselves, will give uh, toys and that all just comes together. some We get some monetary gifts as well and that really helps when we need to shop for teenagers because people don't think about teenagers as much as they do perhaps the younger children. So that helps us to buy things specifically for teenagers uh, to make sure that they get something that they're really going to enjoy at uh, at Christmas.
1: And that's it for this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us.
9: Thanks also to all our
0: guests as well as to our editor M Sefton-Smith and the whole Shine Radio team.
1: So from Joff and I this week... Bye. Bye! Get it in the car! If you're running a local event, Shine Radio can help you get it noticed. Get it in the
0: guide. Our local events guide includes events across Petersfield, Liss, Rogate, Eastman, Clanfield and Harting. We
1: broadcast them on Shine Radio and list them at shineradio.uk.
0: And if you're part of a voluntary or non-profit organisation, your event can be in the guide absolutely free of charge. Get it in the
1: guide. Just email team at shineradio.uk and we'll help you to get it in the guide. Because at Petersfield Shine Radio
8: you make it shine.